Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Anyway, uh, hey, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to start a new series at the Vineyard, a new four-week series, a series that I'm calling Family, Hospital, School, and Army. And the reason we're calling this Family, Hospital, School, and Army is because the founder of the Vineyard, a guy named John Wimber, many, many years ago, uh, when he was starting the Vineyard movement, uh, if you are not familiar with the Vineyard, there's about 600 vineyard churches in America and another 3,000 around the globe. We are just one of them. But uh, John was a person who loved the church, but one of the ways that John Wimber described the church is this. He said the church is called to be a family, a hospital, a school, and an army. And it's, it's all of those things. It's never just one of those things. And, and here's the truth about church. We tend to live into one, you know? Uh, we tend to live into one idea, but one of Part of what we want to do here at the Vineyard is we want to live into the tension of holding all four of these things together. So over the next few weeks, I want to talk about family, hospital, school, and army. And uh, here's what I want to do this week. I want to talk to you about church as a hospital for a few minutes this morning. We got some scriptures that we'll put up here in just a minute. We're not quite ready for those yet. But I I just want to say that one of the things that I think uh, that is in the Gospels, it's just like, all over the Gospels, you can't even read one page in the Gospels without seeing it, is there's just this sense that anytime people are around Jesus, uh, they get healed. Have you noticed that when you read the Gospels, every time you turn a page, like Jesus is healing somebody, like maybe somebody's sick. Oh, Jesus, can you help me? And Jesus helps them, right? He would, he would heal them. Or maybe somebody was oppressed with a demon and it was beating them up and Jesus would kick the demons out of the person. Or, or maybe, maybe there was something else going on. Uh, Jesus would come into the situation, no matter what it was, and he would just set it straight. Anybody ever noticed that? Well, that's good. I hope you have noticed it. If you haven't, I hope you'd get your Bible out and take a look. It's actually there. Uh, but one of the things that I notice in this is that if Jesus is a healer, then the church is called to be a hospital. Uh, the church is called to be a place where sick people can come in and find a home and, and we can be here until Jesus, the doctor, come and, comes and does the things that only Jesus can do. Now, when I'm talking about the church as a hospital, uh, part of what you're going to see this morning is there's at least four different kinds of healing that Jesus wants to give us. And we're going to look at a passage out of Matthew here in a moment. But, but before we get to that, I just want to say this. Like my vision for the vineyard here in Campbellsville is that we'd be a hospital church. That this room would be a place where people get healed inside and out. And here's what I've discovered after doing this pastoring gig for about 20 years. I can't heal anyone of anything. I can't change anyone in any way. Uh, Anybody married in the room? Anybody tried to change your partner? (laughs) You usually do that for 10 years. And then, then on year 11, if you're still married, you're like, I'm letting go of that. I'm letting go of the idea that I can change this other person, right? You just can't change. You can't even change the people who are closest to you. How many of you noticed that you can't even change your kids? You know, you, you can like corral them a little bit. You can like point them in the right direction. But you know, man, 
And here's one of the things that I've learned after 20 years of doing this gig. I can't, I can't change anybody on anything. I, I haven't ever been able to get anyone who's an alcoholic to quit drinking. I've never been able to get an addict in any shape, form, or fashion to quit being an addict. I've never been able to heal a marriage. I've never been able to heal a sick body. I've never been able to heal depression. I've never been able to change any of those things. However, however, over and over again in the 25-year history of this church, people who have come here and who have sat in the purple chairs that have now become goth black— People who have gone to home groups here, people who have met with other people over lunch uh, have, have had moments where Jesus the healer shows up and this place is not just a church, it's a hospital and Jesus can put his finger on things that Pastor Adam or Andrew or Emily or Heather or anyone else here can't do anything about and that is an amazing thing. Like here's one of the things I'm hoping for when it comes to church. Like you, you might be wondering, like, what does Adam think of church? Here's what I think a church is. I think church is this place where we make some room for each other and we make room for the spirit of God. And we just hang out here long enough. And eventually, like Jesus, the healer is here. This is actually a hospital. And he will come and do the things that only he can do. Uh, here's what that means. There's all kinds of stuff in this room right now all kinds of stuff. Like there's some people doing pretty good in this room and there's some people who are jacked up in this room. And I know that because there's like 200 of us here. It's not because I'm calling anyone out, right? Uh, there are people who are up and down. There are people who are rich in this room. There are people who are poor. There are people who are well in their bodies. There are people who are sick. Uh, there are people who have got it together. There are people who do not have it together. And sometimes people come to me and like, Adam, are you aware that these people are here? Are you aware that there's someone here with this problem? Uh, yes, I am aware. Are you aware that they're doing this? No, not until you told me. Are you aware that this person is up to this? Are you aware that these no good people are doing this? And, and listen, I'm, I'm thrilled when I find out that Jack people come to church. I'm thrilled. Why? Because this is a place, this is a place that's called to be a hospital where people can get healed from the inside out. Luke says in his gospel that everywhere Jesus went, people followed him that they might be healed by him. That's what church is. Like this morning, if you're jacked up, if you uh, have only broken relationships around you, if you're an addict this morning, welcome to church. I'm not going to judge you. This is a place for Jesus to heal you when he's good and ready to heal you. That's all I know to say. That's why we do what we do. The church is called to be a hospital. All right, Rachel, help me out. Uh, why don't we open up to Matthew chapter 9. And I think I want to start at like verse 9 a little later. Yeah, that'll be our main, our main little moment this morning. We're only going to look for a, a few verses here. This is where Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. It goes like this. And as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. By the way, this is what you do. When you meet Jesus, the things that he's invited you to do, look at this. Like Jesus invites Matthew to be a disciple and immediately Matthew's what? Inviting Jesus. Like there's this, like, what does it mean to be a disciple? Like the invitation you get is the one you pass along. Uh, Jesus and his disciples to come to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Isn't it great? Yeah. Verse 11. 
But when the Pharisees saw this, and why did they see it? They were also there. Like Matthew invites everybody. He invites the up and out and the down and out, right? And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? I love this. And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. By the way, that's why we read that passage out of Hosea this morning. What did the Lord say? He says, I want you to know my heart more than I want burnt offerings. Jesus says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call those uh, who I have not called to come. I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's our passage this morning. Here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about four kinds of healing that Jesus wants to bring us when we, uh, when we open ourselves up to church as a hospital. The first kind of healing that Jesus wants to bring us is he wants to give us healing for our dead-end lives. Healing for our dead-end lives. Rachel, why don't you put up Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 again. It's really great. Matthew's at his tax-collecting booth. He's probably extorting money. He's a Jew, but he's working for the Romans. He's working for the wrong team. And he's probably really rich, probably really, really well-to-do. And in that moment, Jesus comes to him and says, Matthew, I'd like you to follow me and be my disciple. It was a life-altering call. And it was especially astonishing that Jesus would give somebody like Matthew this invitation on his team. Like none of the Jews wanted any of the tax collectors to be on the inside, right? And Jesus goes straight to one of the guys who's like kind of like betrayed his country or at least the national identity and says, hey, I'd like to make you a part of my team. I love this. And part of what we see here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, this is Jesus healing someone's dead end life. His dead end life. Matthew leaves security. He leaves his income, probably a big income. Matthew leaves his place in the community. Uh, not only that, he leaves his entire way of life. By the way, I want you to understand this. When Jesus invites someone to come and be his disciple, everyone who went with him and everyone who received that invitation knew that Jesus wasn't just saying, would you come and believe something new? He knew that they were inviting, being invited to come and live a whole completely different life. It would have rung in their ears really different. So Matthew knows his whole way of life is over and he's, he's giving up security, finances, a place in the community, everything that he's done up to that point, he's giving it up because Jesus is offering a new kind of life. Here's what I want you to know this morning, church. Jesus wants to extend this invitation to many, many people in the room. Some of us in the room this morning are living dead in lives that are going nowhere. And Jesus has an invitation for you. Look, here's the thing. Jobs are good. I believe in work. A career is important. Not only that, but the Bible would say that work is a gift. But I also want you to tell you this. Uh, security and purpose are not ultimately found in your job. Security and purpose are not found in your bank account. Security and purpose are not found in the place you have in the community. Security and purpose are only found in listening to Jesus and following him 
doing what he says. Some of us this morning uh, may be receiving a brand new call. Some of us this morning are here at the church and you're looking for a new kind of life. And here's what I want to tell you. There is a new kind of life and that life only comes from following Jesus. You can give up your dead end life. Even if it looks good to everybody in Campbellsville, on the inside, you might know, oh my gosh, I've been living a dead end life. You can, you can give it up this morning. Jesus wants to heal. Some of us are looking for life. We're sick and we're not thriving. Some of us in the room are withering. And the good news this morning is that Jesus, the healer, wants you to call. He wants to call you out by name to be his disciple. And here's the thing. When Jesus calls you out by name, maybe you'll keep your job. Maybe Jesus, the healer, would say to you this morning, hey, I want you to go keep your job. Uh, Maybe Jesus, the healer, would say, actually, I want you to get a new job. I want you to go straight into corporate America. Uh, Maybe Jesus, the healer, would say, I want you to start a new business. Or maybe Jesus would say, I want you to leave it, leave everything and follow me. Maybe he would do that. By the way, whatever Jesus says, do it. Whatever it is, that's how you get healed of your dead in life. The second healing that Jesus wants to give us this morning, and it's straight from the text, it's healing from dead religion. So Jesus invites Matthew to leave his job. Then Matthew turns around and invites Jesus into his home. And by the way, Jesus is doing his work everywhere, like in homes, at church, everywhere. And apparently everybody came to this dinner. Disreputable sinners came to this dinner. Other disciples and some Pharisees also came. Quite a party. Uh, And everybody's having fun. Everybody's having fun at the dinner party except for the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are like, hey, what's the matter with Jesus? He eats eats with scum. Notice the language there was kind of wild, huh? Jesus... Why are you eating with scum? And Jesus will have none of it. And instead, Jesus goes right at them. He goes right at them. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Instead, sick people do. And in this moment, when Jesus goes at the Pharisees like that, he's doing his healing work. He's diagnosing the gangrene, uh, the gangrene of dead religion. That's what he's getting at. Like, Like what kind of person could be in the presence of Jesus and then call someone else scum. Right? This is, this is a kind of sickness. And it can happen. It can happen even, even with people who are supposedly close to God. It can happen even with people who have spent their life reading the Bible. Uh, by the way, I want you to know something here. I'm not opposed to the word religion. Some people are opposed to the word religion. I'm not opposed to the word religion. Uh, everybody's religious. Everybody in the world is religious. Even atheists are religious. Everybody has an orienting story and everybody lives their lives with all kinds of patterns. So it's not a matter of whether or not you are religious. You are religious. Everyone is. It's a matter of whether or not your religion is alive or whether it's dead. It's a a matter of whether it has the presence of Jesus or whether it's filled with gangrene. And, And beyond that, part of what Jesus is pointing out in this little moment is that sometimes, sometimes with people who are very committed to God, sometimes with people who seem to be very close to God, sometimes we have a propensity to think that our theology makes us superior. Sometimes we we have this, this propensity to think that, oh, because of our station in church or because of the way that we believe the Bible or because we're super Christians and we've like highlighted passages in the Bible, sometimes we think, 
oh, uh, we have the inside track. Or, or maybe sometimes we think because we've given a lot to some other people or maybe to the church that, that we're closer to God and that our opinions have a lot more weight. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden we, we begin to judge people and not just judge people, but judge them harshly. And, and all of a sudden we begin to think, oh, uh, these people are good. And these people are bad. And maybe they're not just even bad. Maybe they're, maybe they're scum or we find people off-putting or disgusting or we hold some other people in the room with contempt. And at this point, we can be sure whenever that happens that we've slipped into some kind of sickness. Whenever we feel like we're on the right track and these other people over there, for whatever reason, they're on the wrong track. And, and, they're, and not only are they, are they on the wrong track, but they're like bad people. As soon as we go into harsh judgment about someone else, we can be sure we're sick again. We can, like as soon as we judge people for the sins that we don't do, that's usually what it is, right? It's like those people are bad because, well, I don't have an issue with that particular sin, so I'll judge them, right? Now, I'm not going to let you look at my sins, but I'll judge you for your sin. As soon as we start doing that, we can be sure that we're sick, and we can be sure that we have the gangrene of dead religion inside of us. We can be sure, and Jesus wants to heal us of that. Jesus wants us to make space for people who struggle different than we do. Like here, even at the vineyard, even at the vineyard, here at the vineyard, you're going to meet all kinds of people. You're going to meet people who are okay and folks who are not. You're going to meet people who know how to pray and people who have never prayed. You're going to meet poor and you're going to meet rich. You're going to meet happy and sad. You're going to meet gay and straight. You're going to meet up and down. You're going to meet Republican and Democrat. You're going to meet sure and unsure. You're going to meet addicted and clean. You're going to meet people who are on the in, and you're going to meet people who are on the out. You're going to meet people with a good reputation. You're going to meet people with a bad reputation. You're going to meet it all. And one of the things that happens is uh, there's a temptation inside of church to judge people who struggle in a different way than we do. Jesus will have none of it. It's dead religion. What's the point? The point is that this would be a space that Jesus can come to anybody in the room at any time and put his finger on the issue and do the things that only he can do. That's it. Jesus wants to heal our dead in lives and he wants to heal dead religion. Why? Because the church is a hospital. Number three, Jesus wants to heal our sick bodies. The church is a hospital because Jesus is a healer. All through the Gospels, Jesus is healing sick people. In the context this morning for this passage, this passage about Matthew getting invited and then Matthew inviting Jesus, and then Jesus saying, like, well, it's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick, right? That whole passage. The context is what happens immediately before. Um, Rachel, you don't have to put it up, I'll just tell the story. The thing that happens right before in Matthew chapter 9 is this there's a guy who's paralyzed. And his friends bring him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at the guy and says, oh, son, your sins are forgiven. And everybody's like, uh, not okay. Uh, what's happening here? And Jesus says, well, you know what? What's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and take your mat and go home. And the guy just gets up and goes home. So the context for this passage that we read is that Jesus has already healed a lame person, right? Why? Because Jesus is always healing stuff. He wants to heal our sick bodies. Let me tell you a story from this week. 
It's an amazing story. Uh, this week at this church, in the middle of the week, uh, there was someone, there was someone, I ran into someone this week, and they had some kind of a, they, they just weren't feeling great. And they thought, well, maybe it, it's with their eye. And so they went to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor looked at them and said, you know what, you have a hole, I'm going to get the Cornea, sure. Um, thanks. Any other body part it could have been. There was something with a retina and there was something with a cornea and it was like, it was not good. And the eye doctor told them, right now you're leaving my office and you're going to Lexington this very moment. You have to have this repaired today. This is dangerous. This person, this person meets a couple other people who go to the vineyard. These people pray some very weak prayers. <laughs> some very short and weak prayers the person with the hole in their eye, cornea, body parts. I'm not a medical professional. I do not even play one on TV. But this person who had the problem went to Lexington to the specialist, and the specialist took a look at their eye, and he said, you have no problems. Your eye is perfect. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. The other eye doctor just told me I had, an, I had a hole in like the retina and it was very bad and they sent me here. He's like, yeah, I'm looking. There's nothing here. He says, well, let me go get my other person. Uh, and so the other person in the doctor, saw, another doctor came in and took a look and says, no, your eye's perfect. So two perfects, right? What is that about? And, and then I, was run, I ran into this person later in the week and, and I'm like, what do you think happened? And they're like, I think I got healed. I think I got healed. Yeah. By the way, I could tell you a hundred stories like that from like really, nor really normal people. Like Jesus wants to heal people. He loves to heal people. He heals people all the time. Did you know this? And you don't have to be a religious professional to see Jesus heal. Like your prayers could be like, uh, God, can you help? That's usually the one he answers. I've seen hundreds of people healed and it was never because someone shouted and it was never because someone prayed long and it was never because someone stirred something up. It was only because someone said, you know, I don't know what to do. God, can you help? It's amazing. Here's the other part about miracles. Most miracles look really unspectacular in the moment. No one ever glows. Seriously, no one ever gets a halo. It never, like, uh, there's no matrix moment, you know, like, like none of that stuff ever. It was a 1999. <laughs> yeah. None of that stuff. You know, Jesus wants to heal bodies. Like uh, this morning, I'm positive. There's probably some people in the room who are sick this morning. Hey, good news. Uh, if you're sick in your body this morning, we want to pray for you because Jesus, the healer is here and the church is a hospital. We want to pray for you. And not like, not like we, we don't do the thing where we tell you we'll pray for you later. We want to pray for you in this room today, right? Why? Because Jesus is a healer. All right. Finally, Jesus wants to heal sick hearts. Final bit of healing that Jesus wants to bring has to do with their hearts. And if you read the passages really closely, like Matthew 9, 1 through 8, and then 9, 9 through 13, uh, there's a connection in both of those passages between sin and sickness. So in the first eight verses, I'll just go back over this real quickly. In the first eight verses, there's the paralyzed guy. Friends bring him. And Jesus says to the guy who's paralyzed, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. How many of you know that's weird? Yeah, wouldn't it make more sense for Jesus to be like, well, dude, strengthen legs or, or whatever Jesus does, right? Like, 
You would think that. But instead what Jesus says is, son, your sins are forgiven. By the way, everybody gets offended by that. They're like, well, no one can forgive but God, right? These days we have tons of faith that maybe God would want to forgive sins. We have very little faith that he'd want to heal a body. No one was freaked out that Jesus would heal a body. They were all freaked out that he'd forgive a sin, right? Really weird. So we flipped somewhere. But there's this connection. So Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. People get offended. And Jesus is like, well, what's easier? You want me to just say it? Fine. Get up, take your mat and walk. And the guy's like, Woo, and he goes out. Then Jesus goes to the dinner party after having invited Matthew. And they're like, oh, there's scum here. And Jesus is like, well, I didn't, I didn't come to, I didn't come for the, for the well. I came for the what? The sick. And then Jesus says at the very end of that passage in verse 13, He says this very strange thing. He says, I didn't come for people who think they're righteous, but for people who know what? They're sinners. So do you see this in both both passages? There's this like weird connection between sin and sickness, right? Sin and sickness. Now, uh, the reason I'm pointing this out is because there's there's a really big mistake we can make in this connection. And then there's something that's a bit of an invitation for us. Okay, here's the big, the big mistake we can make. One common mistake that we can make when we look at these passages is this one. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking, oh, this is why people get sick. They're sinning. I knew it. There's sin in the camp. That's why they're sick. You ever heard somebody talk like this? Yeah, it's like, well, you know, you've, yeah, you know, who knows what you've been doing? I mean, I, you know, you're sick. Gosh, who knows what you've been doing? Like, have you been sinning? <laughs> you know, you got your allergies are acting up. You've been <laughs> been sinning a little bit. It's like, yeah, I've been mowing my grass. You know, <laughs> here's a, here's at least a few reasons why that's that's a huge mistake. Uh, number one, everybody already sins. <laughs> it's like. It's not like I wasn't sinning and now I started sinning and then I got sick. Hey, newsflash, everyone is already sinning. Say, say, that includes me. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's already sinning. Like, what are we talking about here? You know, it's like, oh, now you've, you've hit the sin threshold. You did a really bad one. You know, it's like, wow, okay. And God's like, well, you know, if you, just hadn't, if you just hadn't done that one, I could, have, I could have saved you from the allergies. But you dropped the groceries and you said the mom cuss word. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yeah, every kid knows it. They didn't learn it from their dads. They learned it from their moms. But everybody's already, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Everybody's already sinning. Okay, number two. Uh, Here's number two. I just want to put some more fly in that ointment of like, if you sin, then you're definitely going to get sick. Uh, Everybody's already sinning. Number two. uh, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but good people get cancer and bad people win the lottery. (laughs) You ever noticed that? If you haven't, you will. Uh, You're going to meet good people, people you love, like people like grandmas who take care of not only their own grandkids, but like the whole neighborhood. The grandma who gives popsicles to everybody in the neighborhood could get cancer and the scum bucket across the street could win the lottery. It happens. It happens. Uh, here's why that happens. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Life is complicated. 
Life is complicated. I do know this. Jesus says that his father, his father sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So I know why bad guys win the lottery. Because God is kind. I don't know about the other, but I, I do know why bad people will prosper. Because God loves everybody. That's why. Um, number three. Life is not that simple. Why can you not connect sin and sickness in this one way? Life's not that simple. And then number four, stop it. <laughs> stop, just stop it. Mm. Yes, just stop it. Just don't do it. Just stop it. Oh. Instead of seeing a formula that leads to condemnation and suspicion, here's what we should see. It's not so much that sin causes sickness, The thing you should see in Matthew chapter 9 is sin is the sickness. Sin is the sickness. It's not that it causes sickness. Sin is the sickness. It's not so much that sin makes one sick. It's that sin is the sickness and Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer and we all need healed. It's not that sin requires punishment and judgment. It's that it needs healing. And I know some of you have grown up in church cultures that have taught you that mostly sin uh, needs punishment needs judgment and sin needs punishment. I want to tell you, God's not a punisher and you can't coerce people and punish them into doing right. You can scare people into a different action, but you cannot scare people into love and your father is a lover. Sin doesn't need judgment. Sin doesn't need punishment. Sin needs healed. This is why Jesus comes to heal. This is why Jesus comes to heal. It's not... It's not that you're, it's not that you're judged for your sins. It's that you're, it's, it's a, gosh, come on now. It's that we're judged. It's that we're judged in our own hearts. Like, what are we talking about here? Jesus is the healer. He has come to heal us from the sickness that is sin. And by the way, we all need healing. That's why we come to Jesus. He's the healer. So this morning, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Uh, We have a a ministry team this morning who wants to pray for you just like we do every Sunday here at the Vineyard. And you might realize, oh my goodness, I I need, I'm sick in my heart. Or maybe I'm sick in my body this morning. Or maybe I'm in a dead-end life and I'm feeling Jesus talk to me. Uh, I want you to know that we have some people who want to pray for you and we want to minister to you because the church is a hospital. So here's what I want to do. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, okay, come on up. Everybody say hello to Jen. Yeah. Um, Hey, if you're on the worship band, come on up. We'll just go ahead and do this. And everybody else, stand up. You got it, Jen? Is this? Hey, Jen, come right up here so they can see you. Okay. People can't see you around there. You have to come to the magic stage. (laughs) Um, So when Adam said uh, sick body sick heart. There's, I grew up in Indonesia and there's a phrase called sakit hati and it's what uh, other countries have really good phrases that don't translate right or well into English. Sakit hati means when you are just totally broken hearted, usually when you're broken hearted by a lover and they've broken your heart. But today I really feel like there's been people that have been broken hearted by a parent hmm. and that there's maybe sickness in your body from, yeah, I'm shaking. 
pretty mm. hard from this. Um, mm. Just sickness or pain in your body from being just brokenhearted by a parent. And, and a lot of, of brokenheartedness by a parent comes from neglect. I'm a therapist. I see this all day long. And, and neglect sometimes comes from your parents being in pain, and they just don't know how to love you well. So um, just uh, today, let's bring that brokenheartedness to Jesus and find some healing. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you may be wondering, like, why did Jen come up here? Well, because... When the church gets together, Jesus doesn't just speak to the pastor. Praise the Lord, you know. He speaks to the whole church. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one more song, but we've got like a front row up here. And if you need prayer this morning, if you're sick in your body, uh, if you need to respond to Jen's word, like, oh, I'm brokenhearted and it's like really rooted in some kind of a dysfunction with the parent. Uh, or if you're like, I, I think Jesus is asking something new of me. You need to leave a dead end life. Or if you've just been carrying harsh judgments around Uh, for other people, I would invite you to come up here and we have a team of people who want to pray for you. All right? Jesus, we love you this morning. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the Bible. Thanks for the way that you do the things that you do. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.